listeners. I'm Logan McLean, and this is OJT on the Job Training. It's a podcast where I, a journalism student, practice my craft by interviewing passionate people about their projects. Today, Jack Vandenbrock is back for part two. He's the university graduate who went to college for a career path as a band and event manager. He's also a guitar player and vocalist in Discontinuity, the band of another past guest, Daniel Platts. Jack and I discuss planning live events, playing on stage with a manager's perspective, and his band's first gig. I understand uh, your band with Daniel, who I interviewed recently, band Discontinuity. You guys had first gig recently at the Bovine Sex Club. Daniel tells me you played a major role in landing that gig. Um, I did. And he also says it's pretty hard to break into the scene there. Can you tell me some of the challenges of trying to get shows and stuff like that? Of course. Um, well, you know, the the initial challenge that any band has to has to go through or any artist who wants to kind of, you know, push their way into the scene, um, a lot of it is just kind of the, the friends you make, um, you know, and, and the people you, you kind of get to know. Um, my role within the band, while I think we have a fairly egalitarian and democratic breakup of the different roles and responsibilities that we each fill, both musically um, and just how we want to organize and push the band forward, um, my predominant role is, you know, kind of our, our manager and uh, making sure we can book different venues and uh, make sure we're getting out there and we're getting in front of people. Um, it's funny, the, I think the major uh, challenge isn't always booking the show itself. Um, you know, it's, it can certainly be expedited if you, you know, already have pre-existing relationships uh, with the people who run the venues um, you know, or just the different people in the scene. Um, but when you're just starting out, really the, the most difficult thing um, is just meeting new bands because in order to throw on a show, um, you know, whether it's your show or, you know, being tagged on as an opener or, you know, what have you, um, it's very rare that you'll be able to just book a show just for your band or just your act. Um, cause every venue will want to say, okay, like, you know, where, um, you know, where are we going to make our half in all this? Right. Um, they want to make sure that people are coming out to see you. Um, so the difficulty is, uh, really just coordinating other bands or other acts to come and play with you, you know, to make sure you're all on the same page to figure out who's going to be, uh, you know, renting different equipment or who's bringing what. Um, so it's, it's honestly more a logistics job, <laughs> um, you know, handling this aspect of, of the gig um, than it is kind of a, an artistic or a musical exercise. How did you get other bands for it? Um, it was funny. Uh, the first band we reached out to was actually that we met at our rehearsal facility. Um, we were coming out of practice one day and uh, our drummer struck up a conversation with some other guys in the hall. And, uh, you know, they happened to be a very talented math rock band uh, from Toronto called Everything But The Rain. Uh, you can find them on Bandcamp if anyone's interested in checking them out. Um, but they were just very nice guys, you know, and they gave us uh, some very helpful feedback um, on creating a more predominant online presence. What did they tell you? Um they really stress the importance of having a solid Instagram presence. Um, 
you know, if we delivered on that, I'll, I'll let audiences or the people that follow us on Instagram decide. <laughs> but, um, you know, for, uh, for them, uh, they, they rely on that aspect very heavily um, for, you know, getting their name out there, um, for validating two venues that they're a legitimate act. Um, and they kind of stress the importance that we need to do the same because we weren't doing it at that time. Um, so, you know, obviously we took their advice. Um, you know, we established a Facebook page, Instagram, um, you know, we got ourselves on Spotify, uh, on Apple music, um, you know, all the various streaming platforms. So once we had that, we said, okay, like, you know, now it's, it's time to go out and gig. Um, so we, you know, by Instagram, we messaged them. Uh, and asked if they wanted to be one of the bands on our list. And uh, they were more than happy to. And, uh, you know, the other bands, I was uh, I was fortunate enough to go to high school with uh, some other very musically talented uh, individuals, one of whom is another member of our band, Roger. Um, but I had another friend who's uh, in another band called Foreign Moon. Their, uh, their drummer, uh, Alex Spears, is a very good friend of mine from high school. Uh, so it was really just a matter of, of calling him up um, and uh, just seeing if they were available. Um, and they were more than happy to come do the show with us. And it was a pleasure to have them. Um, and the third band, uh, coincidentally, the drummer in our band, Ahmed Amr, uh, plays in another band called Midnight Madness. Um, and uh, they were looking to perform a show as well. So it was... Uh, you know, fairly, fairly easy, actually, to figure out who was going to be um, all the other bands kind of uh, providing support for us. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's uh, it really I think, you know, for for anyone who's coming into this scene or trying to get their bands booked, um, you know, if, if my advice, you know, <laughs> is valued whatsoever, um, it really just comes down to like networking and just having friends, um, you know, who do the same and share that common interest that you can just call up and ask. Um, and just making sure that when you're reaching out to venues that you come across as kind of a professional and like verified, um, verified presence, you know, as time goes on, you'll get a sense of, you know, the draw that you bring and, um, you know, how many people you can come out to, you can get to come out to see you. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I would say the, the largest challenge is just once you have all those confirmations from the other bands that you want to play with, um, it's really just a logistics game. Um, making sure that you have all the equipment you need, making sure that people arrive on time, um, you know, that sound check goes well and, um, if there's any other elements to the show, be it, be it lighting or effects, um, you know, those are all ready to fly. Did you guys have much going on there for lighting effects? Did you have to rent any equipment either? Uh, fortunately not. Most venues are equipped with at least a pretty basic set of lights. Um, you know, they can change color or whatever. So for our band, you know, we wanted the aesthetic to be kind of violet lighting. Um, which they were able to accommodate, which was great. I think it, you know, added a really cool atmosphere to the show. Um, but you know, as bands go on or early any live music act, right. Um, you can do a ton with different lighting effects. You can do stuff with, uh, like, uh, bog machines and haze with lasers. Um, 
you know, there's there's a whole range. I mean, even like pyrotechnics, um, the the list of the things that you can do um, is pretty much endless. It really just comes down to what your budget is. <laughs> so are you budgeting for fireworks next time? At this point, <laughs> I would love to. I would love to. I don't know if it's in the budget yet, but, uh, you know, talk to me, you know, six months from now and... <laughs> You know, the band's blown up all over the world, and maybe we'll have a different conversation about it. But uh, uh, no, at this point, um, you know, our main focus is just to really tighten up the live act. Um, you know, it's it's really really hard as a band to obviously make sure whatever music we're putting out online um, is as good as we can make it. Um, and we're fortunate that um, you know our our kind of production wizard Roger um, is a very talented producer um, and is able to mix and master very well so all the things that we put out there uh, for people to listen to I think are you know even if it's not necessarily someone's favorite kind of style or genre um, they can at least appreciate that it's a quality piece of work and it's something that we can all be very proud of Um, but for me the real impetus is making sure that our live show um, on a technical level um, like all the instrumentation all the vocals um, is as kick-ass as it can possibly be. Um, and that's just something that we, you know, have the, you know, honestly the, the opportunity and the privilege to work towards, um, now that our, our band is kind of off the ground. Um, and I, I really look forward to, you know, playing some more shows in the coming months and, you know, as summertime rolls in, um, to just go as hard as we can and get as many under our belt, um, and just see where, where things take us. Daniel told me that you guys sent your EP, uh, disc one to the manager of the bovine. Yeah. Um, so typically when you reach out to whoever the booking coordinator is at a venue, um, they always ask for at least three different things. So the first thing, um, is they want to be able to hear your music, um, in a high quality format. So, um, you know, YouTube, Spotify, Apple music, um, you can do Bandcamp uh, or SoundCloud, um, but just whatever you're sending, make sure it's the final cut and it's what you want out there um, so they can hear it the way it's intended to sound. Um, thing number two is they want um, promo material. So, you know, if, uh, if you can do it yourself or if you have a friend or if you're in a band and someone in the band is able to do it, um, create some posters you know, um, give them like a, an online thing to slap on their social media page, um, letting people know when your show is, um, you know, what the venue is. And if you can incorporate some cool, you know, aesthetic ideas or, you know, something kind of in line with the, the theme or the tone of your music, all the better. Um, you know, it's, it's a fun opportunity to do something more visually creative um, if that's something you're into. Uh, the third aspect um, is typically kind of what uh, what your draw is. Um, if it's your first time, obviously um, it'll you know just be kind of your friends and and family or whoever else you were able to you know get out to the show. Um, but they just want approximate numbers uh, because if you're going to be getting paid for the show, um, there's a whole bunch of different ways that they'll do it. But the most typical way they go about it is they just give you a cut um, of the bar proceeds. So, you know, the more people you can bring out, the more people you can get, you know, drinking if you're at a bar um, is uh, 
all the better. So they just want to get a sense of what your numbers uh, will be. What did you tell them your draw would be? Um, we kind of undersold them, to be honest. I was yeah. expecting like 50 people. Um, and fortunately, uh, through, you know, our own reaching out to friends and, uh, you know, just different, you know, people like just anyone, you know, please come to the show. Um, and the draw of the other bands that we brought on, um, I would say we had probably at max capacity about 120 people within the venue. That's pretty good, man. What size of place is it? Um, it's not an especially huge bar. Um, you know, it was actually pretty like tightly packed. Um, when it was at full capacity. Um, but I would say at least on like the, the, you know, ground level of this, of this bar, um, it could probably fit within the area that we were working in probably comfortably, um, like 80 people, (laughs) but we were, we were pushing a little bit more than that, uh, which is great to see, you know, and I recommend to anyone who's going out doing shows, uh, you know, just honestly ask everyone, Um, you know, and make sure you just push it as hard as you can leading up to it. Um, you know, if it's, if it's at a good time, um, most people are more than happy to come out, you know, and even if they're not just keep doing shows because the more you do, the better you get. Um, and the more people you will be able to bring out and, you know, share your craft with. Can you describe the venue a little bit? Sure. Um, it's funny actually, um, about, Two years ago, uh, the whole aesthetic of the bar underwent a very big change. Uh, they filmed some movie uh, in the bar. So they have all this weird, like, almost like horror movie style, like vintage um, props. You know, whether some of it's like music related, like there's old guitars. Um, but there's even stuff like weird, like dolls and... Uh, like like ship anchors and like all the, all this kind of a mishmash of like weird objects, almost like fish netted to the walls, with stuff kind of sticking out between the fish nets. Like it uh, it actually looks like something you'd find in Halifax at like a really punk rock maritime bar. Um, so Daniel and I certainly appreciated that aspect. <laughs> um, but uh, you know it's kind of your classic, um, you know kind of kind of divey. Um, super punk, uh, you know, kind of hole in the wall space. Like the outside of the bar looks like, you know, uh, a welder just had like a field day. There's all these weird metal things like sticking out of the building. Um, and it really makes like this kind of like, you know, horrifying, um, like welded grotesque, uh, entryway. And then you walk in and it's this kind of awesome punk rock bar with band stickers, you know, slapped on every inch of space, um, you know, different, uh, different band logos, you know, hanging off the ceilings, um, you know, advertising Jaeger and all these different alcohol brands. Like it's, um, it's really grungy and really kind of punk rock. Um, and I was very happy that we were able to throw our first show there. I think it was, uh, very on theme for all the other bands that, uh, that played with us that night and, I think just given its location and everything, we were able to get a really large crowd because of that. Leading up to the show, how did you guys promote it? Were you able to put up posters and stuff? Um, we did the majority of our promotions um, just online. Like we did kind of a, you know, a small build-up campaign on our social media. 
um, you know, teasing the date and then, um, you know, kind of slowly releasing the names of the other bands that we were playing with, um, you know, just to kind of build excitement. Um, a lot of it was, you know, in person, uh, just going to friends, going to family, uh, going to coworkers and, you know, colleagues, um, and just letting them know that this is something that we were doing. Um, as someone who really appreciate their, their support, um, in coming out for, um, you know, and I guess to be candid, that really, uh, that really is <laughs> how you have to do it for a very long time. Um, you know, until people have a better sense of, of who you are, um, you know, and, and the kind of, um, you know, you, they have a clear sense of what your music is and what they can kind of come to expect. Um, when you're a little more established, but, um, it's, uh, it's the challenge, but it's also the fun part because, you know, if you feel as strongly about your music, um, you know, and you really believe that it's, it's worth coming to see, um, it's a useful exercise in trying to kind of, you know, uh, share that with people on a, on a face-to-face basis. Um, and it's also kind of an important life skill, right? You know, just learning to, uh, you know, especially if you want to be in the arts entertainment, learning to sell that, you know, it's, it's sometimes a bit easier to do when it's for others. Um, but, you know, learning to, you know, kind of promote your art and promote your project and, um, you know, this, this incredible thing that you've created, um, it's important to learn, you know, effective methods to share that. Is that the sort of stuff that you find you're learning at Humber? Uh, definitely, definitely. (laughs) Um, you know, one of the things I've really come to enjoy about, you know, college and about my experience at Humber uh, really has been the, the transition from learning about, you know, really dense theoretical modes of knowledge um, and ways of communicating um, to kind of stripping that back um, to a far more like hands on and, you know, candidly, a far more like applicable and practical approach. Um, and I'm sure there's lots of other people out there who've kind of, you know, undergone this same experience where you've, you've gone, you've studied, you know, maybe the liberal arts and, you know, you've come out with all these fantastic communication skills and it's really opened up your mind. Um, but then you're able to kind of go into college and, you know, I've, I've taken courses like, you know, event production, uh, marketing, sales and sponsorship, um, you know, HR, like just all these all these different elements um, of being able to execute, create, um, and share really amazing events in in live music, in my case. Um, But learning what they are um, and applying them in a very hands-on way. Um, And I think, you know, for anyone going into live music, um, particularly being able to sell an act and to more importantly sell the experience um, is absolutely critical, whether it's for yourself or for another band. Um, you know, and you can take that skill with you anywhere in life. Anything specific that you learned that you found uh, useful for the bovine gig? Um, I would say um, it's really, really important uh, to make face-to-face connections. So a couple days before the show, um, myself and Roger, the, one of the other members of our band, um, went to the venue to do a site inspection. Um, very important note uh, for anyone uh, doing live music 
always, always, always go and do a site inspection. Just go and check out the venue, um, you know, get a sense of like, you know, what the set out is, you know, where the exits are. <laughs> For when shit goes down. <laughs> yeah, you know, well, if shit goes down, goes down it's very important. Um, but also just to give you a sense so you're not coming in blind on the day of. Um, but the second half of that is also to go in and ask questions, you know, go and meet the sound guy, go and meet the person who's doing all the bookings. And that's exactly what we did. Um, you know, I went, I, I found the, the booking coordinator, you know, I, we introduced ourselves, we kind of just, uh, gave him the lowdown on, you know, who we were, what we were looking, you know, trying to accomplish for the show. Um, and to put a face to a name, um, not only does it uh, it build you know a relationship um, with the people who work there you know for the show coming up, but also any future shows, um, you know it uh, it makes online communication way more efficient um, because now they know who you are and they're much more inclined to respond you know in a more more, more quickly honestly <laughs> um, you know or maybe give you a little bit more details um, than if they were in a rush and they didn't know who you were. Um, but thirdly, you know, it's kind of like we said, um, you know, music scenes, irrespective of where you are in the world, um, are a tight knit community, you know, um, the deeper you go, you know, the more you realize that everyone knows everyone, um, you know, and if you can become friends or, you know, have productive working relationships with the people who, you know, own and operate venues, um, as well as the various bands kind of within your scene who perform within it. Um, the more set up you are to go out and get steady gigs or to perhaps, you know, get a residency at a particular venue, um, you know, or even, you know, from that move on to different festival circuits, like the, the progression to build yourself up irrespective of what kind of genre you play in, um, or the style of music that you want. Um, there are, there are always people that will come out and listen. You know, there's always people that will appreciate what you do. The real challenge that people need to get over is how do I get that music and how do I get the experience of my music to people? You know, get it not only within their ears, but get it in front of them. You know, you want to hit all the senses, right? You want people to, you know, be blown away by how good your live show is when they see it. You know, the, you know, if they have, you know, drinks or whatever, you know, you want them to have drinks and, uh, you know, enjoy, you know, just the, the atmosphere of whatever venue you're playing, you know, music is really just part of the equation. What you're, what you're really providing is, you know, an experience, uh, for, for people. You want them to come out of that evening, you know, with their mind totally blown or, you know, a new song of yours stuck in their head that they're not going to be able to get out of it until they listen to it a billion times on Spotify or whatever. Um, and that's, that's really the big hurdle. Um, but also what makes this such a, a fun challenge? Um, because it forces you to always think about how do I make this show better? How do I tighten up this little thing? You know, what if I add, you know, this different element? Um, you know, the more you can build up your show and improve it and the better you can get, um, at marketing it and selling it both online, but more importantly, face to face via networking within your community, um, 
the greater your chances are of taking your music to the next level. In the show, the TV show Parks and Recreation, I don't know if you've ever seen it, it doesn't matter a whole lot, but the character Andy Dwyer is a wannabe, wannabe rock star, and he says <laughs> at one point, there's a say, something like, there's a saying in music that the show must go wrong. And, <laughs> and whenever he put on a show, something's going to go wrong, or everything's going to go wrong, and you just have to deal with it. Did you have yep. any of those kind of moments with the bovine gig, any kind of spinal tap moments leading up to it or the oh, day yeah. of? Oh, yeah. I mean, like, you know, any any event, no matter how successful, whether it's music, business, like whatever, like ir irrespective of what you're doing, there are always, always a just like, uh, you know, an, an orchestra of errors, if you will, uh, like that are happening that. behind the scenes or even on stage that the audience <laughs> may never know about and uh, probably never will know about other than, you know, unless they're directly connected to the performer or the people running the show. Um, you know, for our gig, of like, of course, a whole bunch of stuff went wrong. You know, I was hitting wrong notes. Um, you know, the, uh, the audio levels weren't going through because I wasn't on the mic enough. Um, you know, I'd be playing a guitar solo and I'd hit a bum note or something. Um, you know, or we're briefly out of sync. Like there's, there's all these little, little things, um, that always seem to go wrong. Um, but the key, like in anything, um, is you just keep rolling. You know, the worst thing you could possibly do is just stop and have to start over again. You know, there's sometimes a time and place for that. Like, let's say you see something in the audience, like some inappropriate behavior, um, you know, and you feel like it's your duty to call that person out. Um, totally acceptable to stop and restart a song. Um, but you know, when it's the performance itself or, you know, as you're trying to wrangle the show together, um, it's always, there's a ton of, you know, miscommunication and, you know, things that go wrong. But the most important thing is that you power through, um, and then you have the ability to kind of look back, um, and pinpoint all those little things that went wrong and develop strategies to address them. You know, so one thing I would I would highly recommend, you know, for any musician who's performing live, um, as painful as it is, make sure you have someone recording you, um, you know, get uh, get a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend, um, you know, or just a friend to record you, you know, take a take a video of the performance that you can go through and watch afterwards, because I guarantee there's going to be like a million little things that it's going to be really painful to watch. But it's also important because if you're not able to see those mistakes, um, you're not going to be able to address them effectively and make the show better. Um, same with the planning. Uh, you know, so much of it is email exchange, it's texting, it's calling. Um, you know, and there's going to be miscommunications. There's going to be things that you forgot to mention, you know, to one band that maybe you told the other and you got to go back and backtrack and figure out who knows what. Um, but the more you do it, um, the less common those mistakes will be um, and the more efficient you will become as a, as a coordinator of these things and ultimately as a performer. I guess the last thing I wanted to ask is what's next for discontinuity? Well, um, we uh, are hopefully going to be having our next show within the next month or two. Um, the date of that is TBD. Um, but in potentially more exciting news, um, 
we are hard at work on our, our next EP. Um, you know, most of the, the demos are, are ready to go. So now it's just a question of, you know, kind of tightening them up uh, in the rehearsal studio um, and then moving on to get those things recorded and uh, get them out to out to the public. Um, you know, we, we don't have a, a concrete date, but, um, you know, I, th- I think it's safe to say that, um, you know, by the end of the year, there will definitely be some some new content and some some new great songs that you'll be able to listen to from discontinuity. Um, and uh, yeah, if you're if anyone who's going to be listening to this is in Toronto or the GTA, um, come out to our shows. I promise you won't be disappointed and it's going to be a ton of fun. And where can people find you online, you and the band? Um, I would uh, you can find us on Facebook um, just under the name discontinuity in all caps. Um, we're on Instagram at uh, D.I.S. period continuity. Um, we are on Spotify. We're on Apple Music, SoundCloud uh, and YouTube. Um, really anywhere and anywhere you you're able to find music. Uh, you can find us. Our first EP is called Disc One with an underscore under the disc. Um, if you're listening, check us out. Um, you know, maybe you'll enjoy it. Um, if you do or don't, please let us know. Uh, we we're open to feedback, um, and we'd love for anyone, everyone, to give us a listen. All right, thanks a lot, Jack. Thank you so much, Logan. I really appreciate you having me on the show. And now for the progress report, the closing segment where I discuss what goes on behind the mic at OJT. This is the last report before returning to Holland College, and I'm getting back in school mode with a classic first-day assignment that will show you some of my interests outside of podcasting. So, listeners, here is What I Did During Summer Vacation 2020 by Logan McLean. Foremost, I spent a lot of time with OJT's associate producer, Emma. She's a black cat with a white bow tie who chirps like a bird, purrs but never meows, and demands to play fetch when she's not asleep on someone's lap, or chasing bugs. Some of you will know her from my social media. You may also know I planted a decent-sized garden of edible plants at my parents' house in Summerside. I've grown things a bit in the past, but this was my first time taking it seriously. In addition to six peppers and six tomatoes, I have oregano, thyme, rosemary, parsley, and chives, plus a line of basil plants, each named Stuart, in honor of Summerside's long-serving mayor. I'm up to Stuart the 14th because of uh, struggles early on. I won't get too philosophical here, but gardening was rewarding on a level I hadn't known before. Or at least, it expanded a feeling I get with the last interest I'll mention, cooking. I love to cook. I always have. I was in the Radical Radishes Club in junior high, and I still have an easy-bake oven from back before I was allowed anywhere near fire. Cooking appeals to the artist and craftsman in me, but also the scientist and even family man. Close listeners may know I haven't always been super family-oriented, but corny as it is, love is a real ingredient. And there's nothing like cooking a meal for people you love from the plants you grew while the cat watches and only sometimes gets in the way. You can follow Jack Vandenbrock on Instagram at jacquestar97, that's Jacques, not Jack, and star with two R's. You can follow his band Discontinuity on Instagram at dis.continuity, and their Facebook page is just Discontinuity. You can follow this podcast on Instagram at OJT underscore podcast, and on Twitter at OJT podcast. Facebook page is just OJT on the job training. 
You can follow me on Instagram at logan.mclean.75 and on Twitter at loganmclean94. And finally, listeners, please check out my website, ojtpod.ca, for more pictures and content from Jack and Discontinuity, along with my written stories and photography and pages on other past guests and episodes. The podcast is available there and on all major streaming platforms. Please rate and subscribe and leave a review. Everything helps when getting a podcast off the ground, and if you like this show and want more interesting guests, listener feedback is the best way to help me reach new people and make that happen. This has been OJT, On the Job Training. I'm Logan McLean. Thank you for listening.